the the fourth line, a uh, third line. I'm sorry, third line. You have Alpha and Aleph, right? Eleven A, and we're continuing with different things that are or are not permitted to be done on Cholamayit. Rav Shar Lechia Bar Ashi, Rav from Lechia Bar Ashi, Lechia the son of Ashi, LeMigdel Oihari Bechula de Moyada. He permitted him to fix some sort of a trap that was used presumably for fishing, right? You know, a lobster, probably not a lobster, a crab trap, but something similar to that on Cholamayit. My time, what's the reason? My Sahetitu, presumably it also involves some level of tying knots. Instead, this is considered to be unskilled labor. And as we learned in yesterday's daf, you're allowed to tie knots on, on Cholamayit as long as it's what we call my Sahetit, unskilled labor, as opposed to my Sa'umman, skilled labor. Aval Isli, Asr, but to <coughs> fix some other sort of net, which involves a higher level of expertise, that indeed is forbidden. My time, what's the reason? My Sa'umman, who? Now, this is one of the, the guiding principles of what's permissible on Chalamayid versus what is not permissible. Is is it considered in the category of Maisa Uman, in which case it's considered a too much effort? Or is it in the category of Maisa Hedit, in which case it's considered more like a temporary fix, and therefore it is permissible to be done on Chalamayid? He allowed him to fix or to, 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 um, to build an oven. Meholta. He allowed him to do some other sort of metzias, right? I, I don't know what these metzias are, what, these, what the details of these cases are. I don't think the details of the case are so important. It's, it's really just this general principle. Any is this so? Everybody agrees you're not allowed to use an oven for the very first time. Right? The, very, the, the, the last step of preparing the oven to be used is to fire it up. And when you fire it up, you, you um, literally fire the, like the, the glazes and whatnot that makes the oven able to be used for the first time. And this is considered to be a skilled labor. Like When it's talking about that you are allowed to do this, that's referring to when it's during the, 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 um, the summer season, right? The sunnier time period. And when it's a sunnier time period, the oven is really able to be used on some level before you fire it up for the first time. One case is talking about during the rainy season. During the rainy season, the oven is not really able to be used before you actually fire it up for the first time. So then it's considered more of a uh, significant act and therefore forbidden on Cholomite. You're allowed to put up a mica, right? A fence around a, a roof or a peset or a um, or porch. If it's done in a non-skilled fashion, if it's done in a skilled fashion, then it would not be permissible. Now, a, a, a mica, putting up a mica is a mitzvah daraisa, right? Now, it, it, contrary to popular opinion, a mica is not automatically like a din in pukuach nefesh, a din in trying to save a life. It's actually a mitzvah daraisa for the owner of the house who's obligated to put up a mica. Nobody else is obligated to put up a mica. Now, if someone else sees a scenario where lives are at risk, then of course there would be a mitzvah for them to try to, to, try to revert that risk, as we've learned in, in, uh, in Thainist. We learned about the amoira. Rav Safra, I think it was, he used to spend Friday afternoon making sure that the, that the buildings in the city were put up properly, right? The first example of a, uh, a housing inspection. Okay. <laughs> You're allowed to take Safin. Right? Safin is um, when they take like a whitewash and they, and they uh, make, it that it's, uh, make it that it's more even and less, uh, you know, bumpy. With a hand or, or with a foot. But not with a, a special, uh, some sort of a specialty tool. I don't know, maybe like one of those, um, the smoother things. I forget what they're called. Have you ever seen anybody trowel. put up a, a trowel? A trowel, exactly, right. Have you ever seen anybody put up like a sheetrock and then they have to cover over the, the, the cracks and then, uh, you know, where the nails go in. So then they use that. 
trowel to put the plastic on. Hatsir v'hatsinar. Tzir is the, we've learned Tzir before. Tzir is, they, they would put that, the hinge on the top of the door. And that hinge was actually like some sort of a pin they would put in. And that pin was like the pivot pin, which the door would actually open and close on that pin. Uh, the Tzino the is a, uh, a gutter, like, um, a, um, like a spout. No? The mano, the hamateach, the mano is like the, the mantle, right? Like the, uh, the, I'm sorry, not the lamp, not the mantle. Mano is the like a latch, right? And a mafeach uh, is the keyhole. Shenishbru masaknim b'mayin, and it broke your lack of fixing a cholamayin. But actually, eschavan last malachim b'mayin. As long as you don't intentionally leave this labor to be done on cholamayin, that's not permissible. But you're allowed to do it if it happens on cholamayin. The whole question: Shehu yachal alechal mehen b'mayin kavshan. Anything, any sort of a <coughs> pickles, tomatoes, anything that can be preserved, peaches, whatever it is that you're trying to preserve. If you're going to be eating in a chalamayid, and that's why you're preserving in a chalamayid, then you're allowed to preserve in a chalamayid. If you're not going to be eating in a chalamayid, you're not allowed to preserve it in a chalamayid, because once again, that is going to involve kircha yisera, a, a uh, unnecessary exertion, unless it's for the sake of chalamayid. How do we define action of an un- unskilled laborer? Specifically, when we're talking about hutzavadafna, hutzavadafna is, is that, as we've discussed in the past, it's some sort of a it's some sort of a temporary type of of, uh, of wall that you build out of like uh, materials, right? And not out of a permanent type structure. Masni Satana in a the, the Tana taught in our uh, in a in a You're allowed to tsar You're allowed to pile up stones one on top of the other. However, not with coating it with clay. You're allowed to put the 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 um the plaster. You're allowed to put it onto the cracks, and then you're allowed to flatten it down. But not with the specific tools that are more professional type tools. Ashma Magila, I'm a chari beyond the regular. If you're even allowed to do Magila, Magila some sort of a roller pin, right? Then you're certainly allowed to do it with your hand and your foot, you buy. That's obvious. You're allowed to smear plaster on the on the cracks and you're allowed to, to, to flatten it to get with a roller the same way or at, in, akin to the way that you would do it with a hand or a foot. We're not using a mechaltzim, which is some sort of a tool that is like a more professional tool. Once again, I don't know exactly what we're talking about here, but the guiding, the guiding uh, force, the guiding principle is, is this more of a professional tool or a less professional tool? All these cases of different types of objects that are used in the operation of a door, they can be fixed on cholamayit, right? But only if it's a only if you didn't leave it specifically for cholamayit. For many of our challenges, Ad Yamav Hayapatish Makabi Rishalayim. Up until his days, right? This is quoting a, a Mishnah elsewhere. I don't remember where this Mishnah is, and it tells us that up until a specific um, fellow's days, they would actually you would hear the sound of a of a um, of a hammer banging in Yerushalayim and cholamayit. Ad Yamav in Only up until here, but no longer. In other words, at a certain point, they said no more using hammers on cholamayit. It's not in the spirit of cholamayit. So seemingly at that point in time, they would no longer be using it even to fix these necessities for the door administration. Like cash, it's not a question. Can be the nafri, can be the nagri. One of them is talking about the nafri, the, the smith's hammer, like a blacksmith's hammer, which is more of a uh, public, a public, and not just public, but a craftsman type of labor. Can be the nagri. Over here we're talking about the type of hammer that your individual uses in his house. And that doesn't have the same implication of being skilled labor, and therefore it's not permitted. Problem is that typically when we say a certain activity is forbidden because it makes because there when it makes a loud noise it's forbidden because it's an indication that people are doing things that are not permissible to be done in a specific time period. 
And it also wouldn't be permissible to make a, a small noise that's akin to that. When is it permitted? It's permitted when you're using a magali. Magali is like a, like a, a sickle, right? And the chatzini is some sort of a regular, regular operation type of thing. Once again, the question is, is this the professional type of work or the not professional type of work? Indeed, the Mishnah was actually talking about before the Xerah, before this restriction was uh, put into place. And the, and the story in Taita, I think it was in Taita, is actually talking about after the restriction was put into place. Who is the person who says that you should make a shinui even when you're doing something in Cholomayit, it's called with davra of it. In other words, you're doing an act because otherwise you're going to lose something, right? You're going to be in an unavoidable loss. Well, you're only allowed to do it when you're doing it in a different fashion. The lake Rabbi not like Rabbi opinion. Whose ruling are we following when we when we do this? Um, we take the dasha, the dasha, which is the. Let me see Rashi. When you have like this, um, the, the beam of wood that is on top of the doorway. So when it comes out, you're allowed to put it back in without doing any shina at all. You don't need to make a shina. You don't need to do it differently. Something that preserves food that you're allowed to eat, that you will be end up eating on chalamayid or possibility to eat on chalamayid, then you're allowed to do it on chalamayid. Bedisa Levai, right? Bedisa Luba, presumably some sort of a place. Kabri Azel Kule Alma, Said Aisi Kabra. Everybody typically were fishermen there and they were bringing in lots of fish. Sharalu Rava Le Mimlach. Rava Mimlach Minaya. They allowed them to put salt on it to preserve it for the future. Amalia Baya Baya Setin Vahatanan, we learned in a Mishnah. You're only allowed to eat salt things that are preserved things that you're going to end up eating on Chalamayid. And this is nothing to eat on Chalamayid. Amalay, even the Meikara Daita Da Achila Aisidun. They went out fishing for the sake of having food for Cholomite. Once they went out fishing for the sake of having food for Cholomite, and then they ended up bringing in a tremendous a plethora of fish. Well, now they have fish that's going to go bad if you don't salt it. So you're not allowed to begin the process of preserving and say, okay, I'm going to be preserving today. Okay, I'm going to take lots and lots of peaches, lots and lots of apples, lots and lots of pickles, cucumbers, whatever it is that you're doing, and I'm going to start preserving them today. That's not permissible. But if you find yourself in a scenario where you have tremendous amounts of fish, well, now the fish is going to go bad. Okay, now it falls into the category of pragmatia that is going to be lost, merchandise that will be lost, and therefore it's permissible to do more work. Some people say that Rava actually allowed them to take the fish, bring it home, and then to put them into salt. But then we learn that you're only allowed to take the types of question, you're only allowed to preserve things that you're going to be able to eat. These also can be eaten through pressing. In other words, to be clear what the question was, typically when you when you salt fish, right, if you try to make herring, they don't get eaten right away, right? It takes a while, I guess, to the moisture, whatever it is that you're trying to do, typically it's a longer process. But hypothetically, you can speed up the process, and indeed, then you would be able to eat it on Cholomite itself. As, as Shmuel did, that they would take the 60, he took some sort of a fish, and he did this act of trying to press out the oil and the salt, I guess, 60 times. Then he ate it almost immediately. Rava went to visit the house of the Rishkelusa, the exilarch. 
And they, they did the same thing for him. They take a fish and they pressed it for 60 times quickly. And then he ate it, even though it was not a typical amount of time that it should have sat in the salt uh, marinade or brine. Rav Rav. Shaper. I see the Kamayu, Ahu Kabra. He one time was there in Chalmayid and they bring him this type of fish. Tulsa Bishula. Tulsa Milcha. But Tulsa Tavia. It was like a special fish prepared three different ways. Like a really uh, fancy type of dish, right? So one third of it was cooked. One third of it was salted, and one third of it was a tavia, which is um, you know open fire roast. Amarav, Amali Ada Tzaidi. So Ada the Tzaida, the fisherman, Kavra Samach Lemisrecha Mali. When is the fish at its best? When it's about to go rotten. Now, what time read? And I don't know if this is true or not. That in in um, in Japan they don't eat like we think of sushi. Like you want the freshest, freshest fish, but supposedly in Japan you don't actually eat uh, the fish when it's at its freshest. They eat the fish when it's getting a little bit um, going a little bit. And it has like a very rich uh, umami type flavor. I don't know if this is true or not, but I want to read that. Bamarav, Amali Adatsaida, Kavra Tviya Ba'achba. Because you should take the fish and you should um, tabia it, right? You should broil it, right? Roast it, Ba'achba, together with his brother. What is his brother? Because salt. Because fish and salt go well together, right? An old man in the sea, he regrets that he doesn't have any salt and lime on the boat when he catches those flying fish and dolphins because he doesn't want to eat them plain raw without the salt and the lime juice. Asuka Ba'avua. Dip it into its father, into the water. Michli Bavaria, eat it with its son. What is the what is the son? What's the son of fish? The son of fish is um, let's see, Rashi. Rashi says, Matilan I say You should uh, put it into the fish brine, right? The fish yayach, as we say in Yiddish, and then eat it together with that. And then afterwards, drink upon it its father, right? This is clearly, um, there's not just, uh, you know, um, culinary recipes and uh, ideas of how you're supposed to prepare fish. This is not like, let me go to Holy Sushi and tell them how they should start making their sushi in the future, because the Gemara tells us how to do that. There clearly is some sort of a hidden metaphor or messages that the Gemara is trying to convey as well. Fish is considered to be a very holy food, by the way, which is why uh, Hasidim always eat fish at the, at the dish. Amar Rav, and Rav says, Amar Li Adat and he also told me something else. This fisherman told me something else. Kavra tachli bechalva. After eating fish and some sort of a tachli, uh, lettuce bechalva and milk, litin gufa veloy litin kureya. Says uh, don't don't go to sleep right away because if you go to sleep right away, it's not going to be good for you. Amarav amali adetayda kavra tachli bechalva. Eating these three types of foods, maya v'le shichra. Make sure that you don't drink some meat, but rather drink water. Shichra v'le chamra. And if you have a choice between between uh, mead and wine, drink. Mead and not wine. Hajan Allah Mashkin as Hashlach. Finish the first parak of Mayat Kata. Turn the page now. Misha Hafach as Zesab, the Iru Avel. Someone has already turned over his olives and he's about to press them or grind them. And then what happens is, unfortunately, he becomes an Avel. He becomes a mourner, right? In other words, he now has the status of a mourner because somebody dies. Ay Anas. He becomes an Anas. Ay Shehedu Payalim. Or he has a workman who tricked him and didn't show up when they said they were going to show up, right? Supply chain issues. He's allowed to put on the Kaira Rishina. The Kaira Rishina is the basically what they would do with the olives is they would put like a heavy beam on it and they would let it sit like that. And he was allowed to even start the process even though he wasn't going to end up using any more of it or any, any um, additional parts of the process until after Chalamayid. And you might think that that's too much exertion to be doing on Chalamayid that you're not preparing it for the Mayid, you're preparing it for after Chalamayid. But it's still permissible. Why? Because when he started, he actually thought that it was going to be relevant on Cholamayim. If you're a Behuda, a Behuda's opinion. 
Rebiesi says that he should be Zaylef, he should take off the whatever oil is there, and then the Gomer, and then start finishing the process, the Gaf Kedarke, and finish the entire process in the regular way, even though it is Cholamayim. Pasach the mission begins with talking about a mourning, right? What happens when you become a mourner in the middle of the olive process? What are you allowed to do when you're a mourner? And then it tells you what happens when you're doing an achalamayid, right? And kind of leave off, well, what are you actually supposed to do when you are a mourner? Something that we already learned earlier. Anything that is permissible to be done when you are achalamayid are still forbidden to you during the week when you are in avelis, when you're in avel. And therefore, it is only this which is permissible on, to be done on Cholomayed. It's only, only, only a Cholomayed that is permissible to actually sit there and do these acts of pressing the olives. But on the week of the morning, not permissible. It's not, not only this, but even this is what it's teaching us. No doubt that when you are in Avel, and in Avel the first week, as we've learned already, only the Raisa Halacha of Avel, the Torah level of Avel is only on the first day that you bury the mace, right? But in the first week is Midrabanan, right? The Shiva is Midrabanan, okay? And when it's Midrabanan, it's still permissible to, to engage in these actions during that week, because otherwise it's Davra'ah, but it's going to be lost. You're not supposed to do work during, when you're in Avelis, you don't do any work, right? You just sit there and you mourn. But the certain things that are Davra'ah, you are allowed to do. Even if it's Cholamayid, and you have, find yourself in a situation where the olives are going to get go bad, the Isra where it's forbidden to do work on a Torah level. And Chazal tried to be magdir, they tried to draw for us the parameters of what is permissible, what type of acts are in the impermissible category, what type of acts are in the permissible category. And the rabbi still permit us to do this, <coughs> to do the beginnings of the pressings, when it's going to involve loss, great loss. These are the actions that we are allowed to do for the Avel to the mourner during the week of his Avelis. If the olives have already been turned and they're ready to have the, the beam put on them, you're allowed to put the beam on them. And his uh, wine cask to be, to, for the bung to be put in, that you're allowed to do also. Or to lift up the flax from the tub in which the, the, the fibers are being soaked so that they could become more of a turn it into more of a fabric. It's similar to the or the wool to be lifted from the yera. The yera is the bath of dye that they would put the wool into. And they're allowed to start sprinkling his fields when it's the turn for, 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 uh, for sprinkling, even though he himself is doing is not supposed to do work. This is allowed to happen during that Baylist time period. You're even allowed to seed, you're even allowed to put seeds into the field that was already been plowed or the field that is waiting to fish on the, the flax crop. If the field would not been, had not been um, seeded in the earlier season, then let it be seeded in the later season. If it's going to be too late for it to be seeded with flax, then let it seed with another crop. In other words, why are you saying, no, we do this for him because otherwise it's going to cause him a loss? What do you mean? It's not going to be a loss. Just plant it with a different type of crop. Maybe it won't be alfalfa. Maybe it'll be, uh, I don't know, wheat. Maybe it won't be, um, maybe it won't be flax, but maybe it'll be wool. You know, not wool. Sorry, you don't plant wool. But maybe it'll be, uh, uh, also you don't plant. maybe it'll be cotton, right? There's other things that you can plant at different time periods. If the olive's already been turned and there's no worker who knows how to do the work except for him, the Kadeh is ready to be sealed up. The wine bottle is ready to be sealed up. There's no one knows how to work except for him. 
His flax is ready to be taken out of the, the flax bath, but similar to the hollow spinayera and his, his wool from the uh, the dying bath, and the only uh, craftsman is him. He should do this in a private way where no one sees him. If he's a skilled worker who serves the entire community, or a, a, um, a barber. Or a balan. A balan is the person who is in charge of the sauna. The hegia is a regal, and the time has come for the regal. The ancient woman alahu, and the only person who can do this work is him. Harisa yase. He should do it even though he's in a, in a state of avelos. Harisin ve'hachakirin ve'hakablanin. The harisin, the people who do work as a sharecropper, in other words, they get a portion of the of the harvest of the profit. Ve'hachakirin and people who pay a, a fixed amount of money for the field. And then they get to keep the, the produce of the field. And people who are getting paid a certain amount of money to do the job, no matter what happens. They're allowed to have other people do the work for them. Because if they're not going to do the work, then what's going to happen is there's going to be a loss to everyone else. So it's the same type of situation where the, the community is dependent, or at least a large portion of people are dependent on them, then we are more lenient. The donkey drivers, the camel drivers, and Safanim, and the, the sailors, the ferrymen, they can't do their work. If they already were doing the work for others or, or, or they had already been uh, started doing their job, then they continue doing their work. Because once they've already started on that specific job, their absence is going to cause a loss to many other workers too. If someone is hired to work on a day-to-day job, he shouldn't work even if it's in another town and nobody even knows that he actually is, uh, is a mourner. So it won't be such a b'chel Hashem. They still shouldn't do the job. Why? Well, we're going to learn when we start in Ezekiel, which is not going to be for a little bit still, we're going to learn about what happens when you're a Sechir that you're allowed to stop the job in the middle. Let's say you have other people's work in your hands. In other words, you've already been contracted out to do a specific job. Even though it's a job in which you've accepted a specific, you're not getting paid for the job by the day, you're getting paid for the job by the actual job. You're not allowed to do it. You say, even if it's a contract, the job, in other words, by the job and not by the day, which implies that it's how much more so if it was not a contract job. On the contrary, if you're getting a contract job, then it shouldn't be considered to be work that other people are dependent on. It should be like his very own job, and therefore it should be forbidden. So that's actually the opposite. Whether it is a contract job, which of course is forbidden, or even if it's not a contract job, it's also forbidden. Let's say his work was hand, placed into the hand of others. Then they cannot do it in his own house. But another person has to do it. They had a, a gamla de tura, which is a, like a you know, special pair of oxen who are well trained to do some plowing. And they would rent it out to farmers when they needed to plow their fields. Something happened to him. Bad thing happened. In other words, he became a mourner. Somebody died. So he didn't want to send out his team to do the work. said, A great man like Mar, the son of Ravachi, is acting in this fashion. Maybe he's not concerned for the, his own loss. He doesn't care about money for himself. Isn't he concerned that by breaking up this team, he's going to cause a loss to his partner? By Tanya, we learned in a bris. We just learned that if, if you, by you not doing your job or by you not sending out your animal to do its job because you don't want to make money on cholamayit or when you're in avel, right? 
Well, what you're going to do is you're causing loss to others, then indeed you're allowed to do this. What was his opinion? Indeed, he held that he held that the Bryce held that that was the halacha. However, he said there's a halacha, special halacha, as we've learned in the past in many masechtas. Adam Chashiv Shani. When you are a distinguished personage, you hold yourself to a higher level, a higher standard. And therefore, he held that it was not appropriate for him to be renting out the animal, even though he's going to be causing a hefsit to his partner between those two, weighing those two considerations. Either that he should be living his life on a higher plane, or that he should be causing a loss to his partner. He felt that it was more important to cause a loss to his partner than to not live his life on a higher plane. Now, what did he do about taking care of his partner? Maybe, uh, maybe he asked his partner for mechila, or maybe he actually would pay back the partner for the loss that he caused to him. Okay, tomorrow night, we'll continue on Dafa Yudbeza Manala, Fazit Shem, at 8.45. Take care, guys. Do